great, because we've got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, we're in this, the middle of a series called Unstuck, Unstuck, and we've talked about a few different things. We started out talking about the fact that our lives need to be anchored to Jesus Christ. If your life is not anchored to Jesus, if he's not at the center of who you are, uh, then you're going to be perpetually stuck. In fact, I asked this question, what place does Jesus occupy in your life? Who is Jesus to you? When, and, and here's the thing, we, we all get stuck at times in all different kinds of places in our lives. Uh, stuck being this, unable to progress and move forward, or, or another definition is this, to be fixed or jammed because of an obstruction that gets in your way. Anyone, anyone ever been stuck? Anyone here, like you've ever felt stuck in any way? Some of you, you have an awesome lives. <laughs> I would love to hear your story. Yeah, James is raising both hands. Amen, brother. We've all been stuck. We've been stuck in our relationship with God, uh, just feeling like I'm not growing, maybe in your calling. Uh, God, you spoke to me about what my future would be, and I'm just not seeing that come to pass. Uh, I, I've mentioned over these last few weeks, maybe you feel stuck in your marriage. Now, what I'm not saying is, is that you're stuck in your marriage. What I'm saying is, is that you feel like things aren't moving forward, that you're not growing, and maybe years or decades have gone by, and you thought, wow, I thought we would be further along than this in our closeness, in, in our purpose, in our marriage. Maybe in your parenting, your finances, habits, addictions, whatever it is, there's times where we get stuck. But here's the truth. God's, God's intent is that we never would live stuck lives. God's intent was that we would, God never intended, I said that really awkwardly, that came out. Okay, let's try that again. God intent, has not intended for us to live stuck lives. That makes better sense, right? God has not intended for us to live stuck lives. In fact, we believe that his word gives us everything we need to become unstuck. And here's the thing, it doesn't matter what area you're stuck in, there's, there's no part of our lives that we would ever experience stuckness or this, I'm not moving forward, where God's word doesn't speak and cannot bring transformation and help move us forward and bring forward momentum. And so we've talked about uh, all of these different places. We talked about the, the centrality of Jesus in our lives. We talked about uh, the power of breakthrough prayer, breakthrough prayer, being able to pray and declare God's promises over our lives. And, and, and as a reminder to us and to the enemy who wants to destroy us that we have been set apart and that we're called to move forward. And so last week we started talking about the power of God's word. The power of God's word to speak into our lives and into our situations to move us from where we are to where God intended us to be. We had a great skit last week. It, it talked about kind of the old life and the, and the new life. And, and Fred was up here and there were a bunch of ropes and, and, they, and those ropes and it, it were, were, had different names, pride and, uh, and, and doubt and fear and all of these things that attach themselves to our lives that prevent us from moving forward. And I love that he, as he opened the word of God and started making declarations from the word, he was able to cut those ropes and move forward into his destiny. Now, that was just a little skit, but, but it, it holds so much truth that there are things that Satan wants to tie to our lives to remind us of our past and, and things that have happened and where we're coming from and why we don't measure up and why we're not valuable enough. And God's saying, no, 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 let me tell you about who I see you to be, what I see in your life, the value that I see, the promises that I have, and the purpose that I have for your life. So the word of God, you know, words matter, and, and I don't want to rehash all of this, but I, I think it's so important to, to emphasize once again that, that our words matter. The Bible says that our words have the power to build up and tear down, to, to bless and to curse. And so our words matter, and so we have to take careful stock of the words that come out of our mouths. We have to make sure that every word that proceeds from our mouths blesses, uh, honors God, and blesses people. That our words honor God and bless people. And, and really, the best way to assure that or guarantee that is to make sure that our words are God's word. To make sure our words are His word. Well, I have a question before we move on this morning. Anyone in here a Lego fan? Any Lego maniacs? 
All right, there's a few of you. Some of you are hesitating to raise your hand because you're like, what are people going to think? Thank you, Robert. Yes, I see that hand. Amen. Um, I grew up with Legos, and I love, 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 love Legos, and I got to pass that on to my kids. They're Lego maniacs. Micah's favorite movie in the world is the Lego movie, and one of my favorite things to do is not watch the Lego movie. It's to watch Micah watch the Lego movie. I think he's seen it a dozen more times, and every time he gets so excited, Um, and and it's just, you'll have to come over. You'll have to experience it. You know, when you get a Lego box or, you know, a, a set, Sometimes you have the, the set that's just one item, right? You're going to build one starfighter, or you're going to build one helicopter. I, my first Lego set was like this combination set where you could build, it was a big box, and you could build like a dozen different things. And it came with this big instruction manual. And that instruction manual had step-by-step directions. You put this brick, that brick, you take these, right? I need a, a, a two-by-four or a one-by-three, and I need, I, I need a, this color, and I'm going to start building this thing to arrive at a place where you, you produce the helicopter or the boat. Now, of course, that's fun. But it's also fun to take the Lego bricks and then kind of make your own creations, right? But here's the thing. I, I never produced anything building Legos just out of my own creation that ever rivaled or looked as good as what they came with from the factory, right? Wouldn't that be a cool job to work for Lego and come up with with the plans? Am I alone? Anyone else? All right. Thank you. Those instructions are so important, especially for personalities like mine where you got to get it just right. Got to get it. Like if I couldn't find a piece, oh, it drove me nuts. God's word is so similar that we are given these lives that sometimes feels like a box full of broken pieces. Where does this fit, God? How does this go together? This doesn't make sense. Why did this thing happen in my life? And why am I at this point? And I didn't see my, myself at, at this juncture in life. And, and I thought things would go differently, right? It's that line. I saw things going differently in my mind. But it's not how reality has kind of turned out. But as we come to God's word, the power of God's word is that it will make sense and help us put together the pieces that are lying in front of us and start making something of our lives that will be incredible, that people would stand back and look and go, that's amazing. How did you go from where you were to where you are now? And the temptation for us is that we will be like that person who goes, oh, here's a great box of Legos. I'm going to throw the instructions away because I don't need need them. I'm just going to kind of freeform it. Right now, every now and again, you get that, right, that master builder who's like, who gets it, they can just see it. But for 99.99% of us, we need the instructions. Yet in life, we try to freeform it and just go with the flow and ex- ignore the instruction of God's word for our lives. So as we look at the power of God's word to move us from a place of being stuck to moving forward, we have to recognize that this isn't just a self-help book, that God's word isn't just kind of like, you know, Dear Abby or, or one of those columns or, 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 or you know, just a, a timely advice, that this word, this book, this Bible con- contains for me the instructions that will help move me into my destiny, one day at a time, one verse at a time. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2 through 4, after he had been fasting, the Holy Spirit had come on him when he had been baptized by John the Baptist. He had come out of the water and God had declared over him, this is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. And after that, he was led into the desert for 40 days. And at the end of those 40 days, he's tempted by Satan. This is what it says. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I've taken this stance in my life. It was, if it was important enough for Jesus, it's important enough 
for me. Does that sound like, like good counsel for some of you? If it was important enough for Jesus, it's important enough for me. If it was important for Jesus to pray, I'm just going to tell you, it's important for you to pray, all right? If it was important for Jesus to do the will of his Father, guess what? It's important for you to do the will of your Father. Maybe we need the dessert and coffee now. We need a little sugar rush in here. If it was important for Jesus, it's important for us. Jesus, at this moment, is, is hungry. He's hungry. He has a physical need that the enemy recognizes, and it's at that point of need that he, be, he, he gets tempted. I said last week, it's worth mentioning again, Satan never tempts us in areas that we don't care about. If I don't have an appetite for something, God's not, I mean, Satan's not going to tempt me in that area, right? There's a verse in the Old Testament that says, don't eat bats. I just want to tell you this morning, I am living in total victory in that part of my life. Amen. Right? Why? Because I don't eat bats. But there's other areas of my life where I'd say, you know what, that's a daily battle. That's a daily battle. And the enemy knows it because whatever I have an appetite for is the place where the enemy will tempt. Jesus was hungry. So, of course, Satan comes and he goes, listen... First of all, if you are the son of God, he calls into question Jesus' identity and what God had declared about who he is, which is one of his tactics, one of his very few limited tactics. If you're the son of God, wouldn't God want to take care of you by turning these stones into bread? Could God turn stones into bread? Absolutely. Absolutely. He could turn anything into bread. doesn't matter. But Jesus' response for us sets the tone of what this conversation is. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This book is not just simply advice. It is life. It is life for us. It is life for every part of our lives. It speaks to who we are, our identity, our calling, our purpose, God's design, and his desires for who we are. And so it's so critical that we understand the power of God. As we move into our three points this morning, um, I, I, I need to, to just re-highlight something we talked about last week. We talked about Kairos, uh, Kronos and Kairos and Logos and Rhema, four Greek words that give us a clue into understanding how God's word applies to us. The word on the left there, the top, chronos, we get the word chronology or chronological from that. And it talks about a linear time, starting at one point and ending at another, right? Today is August 20th. It's August, almost the end of August. That's incredible. Um, August 20th, 2017. In a chronological sense, Kairos, though, is time as God sees it. He's beyond time. He's outside of time. He's eternal. And so the moment where Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, that was a Kairos moment. It was a moment in history and a moment in time and eternity that God had ordained and said, at this moment, in this time, everything will change. And that the power of God was re released and revealed in that moment. The other two, Logos and Rhema, are references to the Word of God. It's the two, two words used in the New Testament to translate word. Logos is the written Word of God. It's the, the Word of God that, that we have in bound form. This is the Logos. It's the, the Word that's been written down for us to read and understand and to know. Rhema, on the other hand, is a revelation from the Lord. Revelation in this. When I read the Bible, because of God's eternal nature and because he's not just a Kronos God, he's a Kairos God, on a particular day, when I pick up my Bible and I read a verse, God knew from the foundations of the earth that I would read that verse on that day and that he would speak through that verse to what my particular need was in that moment of my life. If, has anyone, have you experienced that? Like, I, I'm blown away how almost daily when I pick up the word and read and go, how did God know? Well, he knew because he's a Kairos God, not a Kronos God. He's outside of time. And we have to remember as we come to the word that we're not limited to this life. 
that we were created for eternity, not just for this temporal life. That we as Christ followers and who, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ will spend eternity with him in paradise, in heaven. And so this life that we live is just a small part of who we really are. And so we're living both in, the, in eternity and in Kronos, in this moment. And so we have to remember that when we come to the word of God, that God will speak to us from eternity into our present about our eternity. Does that make sense? We're tracking? God will speak. He will give a rhema word at a kairos moment for our eternity so that we can understand outside of what I'm facing in the immediate. And how many of us know what's in the immediate sometimes gets us hung up? I can't see beyond what I can see right here, and it's freaking me out. Yet just beyond, God says, no, no, I've got something. There's breakthrough. There's a healing. There's a blessing. There's something. There's a purpose coming. I'm in the midst of the storm. Keep persevering. That's Kairos and, 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 and Rhema. And that word would encourage us. So I don't want this message to just be another, hey, read your Bible more kind of message. You heard those messages, those sermons, right? And you walk out beat up and not built up? Come on. As a kid, I, like, I hated the Sundays where the, Bible, the, the pastor told me that we weren't reading the Bible enough. Because I never felt like I was ever reading the Bible enough, which just made me feel like a loser. And made me feel stuck. And I didn't come to the word of God with joy. Now, should we read our Bibles more? Absolutely, but not out of a compulsion, out of a desire, out of an appetite, out of a hunger. And so what I want to do this morning is give you a hunger. I'll give, at least set the table for you and try and build in you an appetite for the things of the Lord. So we're talking about three things today. We're going to get to the first two. And then we'll close next week with the last one because I want to spend a little bit of time on the, the last, the practical. So we have know, believe, and declare. Know, believe, and declare. We know with our mind, we believe in our heart, and we declare not just with our mouth but with our lives. That our lives need to be a declaration of who God is. Um, I added these three words from last week, and, and this is kind of the progression that takes place. We need to go from information, which is our mind, to transformation where God changes our heart and our desire and our appetite because our heart is the, is the kind of the, 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 the seedbed or the, 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 the place, the center of our desires, of our appetites. And then it needs to lead to incarnation, which means it's lived out in our lives, that it's not some hidden thing, that it's actually visible in your life and in my life. Sound good? Okay, so we're going to talk about no. First point this morning, no. Talking about the mind and talking about this informational part of the Word of God, of the Logos. See, knowledge and understanding are important. And all throughout Scripture, there are tons of verses that address the issue of, of growing in your knowledge, growing in your understanding. And, and it's not something that's foreign for us because the world we live in really puts a high value on knowledge, right? That's why we have so many universities, so many colleges, so many institutions of higher learning. And I, I, I can't stand that phrase, higher learning. Like you're, oh, I'm so above you. Now there's, there's depth of it, but it just sounds prideful, doesn't it? We put such an emphasis on knowledge and understanding. And so we get this. But, but this isn't just about knowing more stuff. Right, It's not about being the smartest person in the room. I don't know if there's any Parks and Rec fans in the room, have you watched that TV show, but there's a character named Ron Swanson who just has very knowledgeable, and he's in a Lowe's grocery store, and he's walking down the aisle, and friendly guy in a red vest comes up, and he goes, is there a project I can help you? And he didn't even finish the sentence, and Ron says to him, I know more than you, and just keeps walking. So many people in our society have this sense of, I know more than you, and I, I went to school longer, and, and I've got more degrees, and I've read more books, and I just know more than you, and I will shout you down, speak you down, use words you don't understand, 
because I know more. And somehow that puts you in a better place. The Bible tells us that knowledge puffs up. And so I want to speak about the importance of knowing the Word of God, but we have to go into this with a caution. And we have to go in with humility, understanding this, we know nothing. We know nothing. And, and as we come to the Word of God, God brings revelation and He pours into us. And in light of what God knows, at the end of my life, if I studied every single day of my life, at the end of my life com- compared to God, I will still know nothing. And so there has to be this humility. See, the goal is not to be the smartest person in the room. But we do have to have knowledge. We do have to add to our understanding. See, if you don't know something, you don't know it. Did you know that? (laughs) If you don't know something, you don't know it. And there's a word we use to describe that. It's the word ignorance. Now, we use ignorance as kind of a slight or a slam, right? Oh, you're so ignorant. Well, there's stuff I don't know. And, and I don't, because I don't know it, I'm ignorant of those things. And I tell you what, there's stuff I don't want to know. I don't care to know. There's things that don't interest me whatsoever. And so if, I, if, if you would say, well, you're ignorant about this, that, and the other, I'd go, yeah, and I'm happy with that, right? Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, we know that. The best response in the morning right there. (laughs) But listen, if I have the opportunity to learn things that are important to my life and I choose not to learn them, then that's a problem. Walking in ignorance and pride leads to destruction. It leads to our undoing. When you could learn or know something and choose not to or to ignore it, that's a problem. When you know a little, oh, this is a good, you know a little bit, but you act like you know a lot. Uh, We all know that person, right? Oh, I read an article on Facebook, and now I am the expert. No, you're not, and that's probably not even an accurate article, right? It's on the internet, so it must be true. When you know a little bit, but you act like you know a lot. When you're at a point where maybe you have a little bit of knowledge, and then you're only goal is to make your voice heard, but never to listen. These are problems, and these are things that we bring to our relationship with the Lord, where God is trying to speak to us and say, I want to inform you, I want to teach you, I want to shape you, I want to pour wisdom into your cranium, into your mind. Oh God, I took a class on that once, I know all about that, right? I read a book, I got it, I got it. No, 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 no. That we would come with all humility saying, God, I just, I want to see more of who you are and understand more of who you are. Jesus illustrates this for us in Mark chapter 12. He's having an encounter with the Sadducees. These are a group of scholars. They were leaders in the church. And um, in that time, not everyone had access to the word of God, to the scriptures. And so there were a group of people that, All they did was spend their days interpreting the law, and then they came up with more laws to enforce the law that God had already given, and it became this yoke of slavery on the people. But this group were very prideful, the Sadducees and and their buddies, the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law, and and even what they call the lawyers. We get the term lawyer from this, but, but their focus was the Word of God. They were studying the law that came from the Word of God. These Sadducees that had it in mind to trap Jesus, we're going we're gonna to back him into a corner with our smarts. We're so smart. You're so smart. You're so smart. Let's go get Jesus and let's back him into a corner. And so they start asking him about the resurrection and about marriage. And it's the whole story about if there's a man and his wife dies, rather a woman and her husband dies and so she marries in that, that culture. The, if a, a husband died, then it was the brother's responsibility then to take that, that woman and marry her. And they were like, so hypothetically, if there were seven brothers or six brothers and, right, and and one brother died, and the other brother, and the other brother, and the other brother, and this woman married all these men. At the resurrection, who would she be married to? Right? Ah, we got him. 
right? This is, they're all excited about their answer. Listen to Jesus' response in Mark 12, 24. Jesus replied, are you not in error? Because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. I love that. Are you not in error? For us, it would be like, wrong. Are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God? Can I ask a question this morning? Could it be that you and I get stuck in our lives because we do not know the scriptures and we do not know the power of God? Could it be that you and I get stuck because we do not know God's word and we do not know the power of God in our lives? I'll just answer the question for you, yes, yes. Well, Pastor Barry, I've been part of church for 40 years. That doesn't matter. The Sadducees were the smartest guys on the block. They were the religious leaders. And Jesus says, you're in error because you do not know the word of God. You have not studied it in a way that has brought revelation to your life. You're using it as a tool to beat people up. And can I tell you, as we look at world history, up and including what we're seeing in our nation today, people on the fringes who will take the word of God and twist it and manipulate it to back what they believe. They are in error because they do not know the scriptures. They do not know the scriptures. Later on, when the Pharisees, another group like the Sadducees, questioned Jesus about the greatest commandment. Again, we're going to back him into a corner. So teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. With all your mind. It's amazing to me how we tend to break into these factions within the church. See, because you got the people who are like, you know what, it's all about study. You just need to study the word. Study the word. Read, read, read. Do the Greek word studies. Break it down. Understand the context and the hermeneutic. And you need to, that just means big word for context. And, and, and I just, I'm going to read every book I can and every concordance I can. And I'm going to study, study, study. And then, and then, of course, you've got the spirit-led people, right? Come on. And we're like, you know what? Yes, the Bible's important, but I just want to be led by the Spirit. I just want to be led by Jesus and by the by Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just lead me. And somehow there's this division between the two. And then you've got the people who are like, hey, I, it's about helps. If you're not feeding the, pure, the poor, if you're not helping people, if you're not working that out, right? And so we, we break into these weird factions that I know Jesus looks at and goes, yeah, that's not what I intended. You're doing it wrong. Because all of these things are important. Love God with your heart, your soul, and your mind. That, that we're one person. That we have a mind. I have a heart, I have a soul, and I have a body to carry out the things that God is calling me to do. And I cannot place more value, importance, one over the other. Jesus says that we're supposed to love God with all our minds. Well, if he says it, we should probably pay some attention to it. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 through 3 says this. The Proverbs of Solomon son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding, listen to this, words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, aka, or interpretation, on how you should live your life each day, how you should act, okay? Prudent behavior, doing what is right and just, and fair. Do you think we could use a little bit of righteousness, justice, and fairness in our world today? Amen? Proverbs 1, 20 and 23, out, of the, uh, out in the open, 
Wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out, and at the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you, who are simple, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. A picture here of God's word and what God's word would be for us. God's saying, I'm calling out to you through my word. That wisdom is calling out. Listen to me. I have what you need. I have the direction you need, the the, the, the correction you need, the training you need. The comfort you need, the healing you need, I have it right here. I'm calling out to you. But how long will you you love your simple ways? How long will you reject the need for knowledge? I love that. Repent at my rebuke. Because I know sometimes I read the Bible and I go, wow, I could have done without reading that. Because now I have to do something with what I just read. Amen? There's a responsibility And I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teaching. Can you hear the heart of God in this? To say, I've given you my word as a blessing to your life. To give you understanding, to give you knowledge, to give you wisdom, so that you will be thoroughly equipped to live your life. Wisdom is calling. Are we listening? Wisdom is calling, are we listening? God wants to make himself, his word, known to you. Why? Why is this so important? Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to even turn there this morning. We'll have the words up on the screen. But this passage is so key for us when it comes to understanding what wisdom and knowledge and the reading of the word does in the life of the believer. In ways now, and, and I'll talk about in a second, in our current context, with science being at the place that it is and our understanding of neurology and the brain at the place that it is, things are coming into focus for us that we've never understood before, and they all relate right here to Romans chapter 12. We're going to read verses 1 and two, I'm going to ask us to read together out loud, loudly. Uh, read from the screen um, so we're all reading the same words together. Ready? Go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Do you want to know what God's will is? I do. I want to know God's will. Not not just in the, the big picture sense. God, where are you leading me? What is my destiny? What is my future? God, what's your will for today? Now, I've, I've grown up in church, and I've heard this made weird. God, should I wear pink socks today or blue socks? No, that's, okay, because we can reduce it down to something that becomes legalistic and becomes a burden to us. But here's what I know. The closer I am to the Lord in his word and in prayer and just walking in the spirit, that each day there's revelation that comes. There's, there's, there's kairos and rhema moments every day that God wants to reveal. This is what I, I want to do in your life. So yes, we want to be able to test And approve what God's will is. He's good, pleasing, and perfect will. But that line right before it. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do you know that as Christ followers, our goal is not to look more like the world. To live more like the world. There's this word, tolerance, that's just kind of come back again. We need to be more tolerant. You know that God doesn't tolerate you? I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be loved. I want to be embraced. And we have to move from a place where we're like, the pattern of this world is, well, just tolerate people. No, I, I, want to, I want to tolerate. I want to love them with the love of God. 
Because there's things in their life that need a touch from the Lord. And if I tolerate them, I'm going to ignore the places in their life that God wants to minister to. And so I need to make sure that I'm discerning God's will. Even in a moment where I'm having a conversation with someone and God says, this this is a Kairos moment. And if I'm listening, I'll hear him go, nudge my heart, say something like this. You need to say these words. Lord, that doesn't make sense in the context of the conversation we're having. I know, but I know what they need. And that the rhema word of God would start proceeding from our mouths and impacting people. But if I'm living at arm's length with people just tolerating them, I'm never going to be close enough to them to be able to speak that word. And so we have to discern what God's will is because his will will take us out of our comfort zone. Tracking? Because the pattern of this world is be comfortable. Be insulated. Try and separate yourself from the things on the outside from people who don't make you happy and, 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 and rub you the wrong way and just surround yourself with shiny, happy people holding hands. Right? And all the music buffs are like, thank you. Right? Just, just get, get people around you that make you feel good about yourself. Isn't that just the most selfish thing you've ever heard? The goal is so much more than that, that the will of God would be, hey, reach people, speak to people, minister to people, touch people's lives, let it get a little bit messy and get out of your comfort zone. All right, I'm getting stuck on this. I need to back up. Don't conform. We get it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So here's what we're discovering. And I I preached on this, I think about a year and a half ago. I touched on some of this, but, but I want to revisit There's this word, neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. It's something that we're discovering in the neurological sciences at these institutes of higher learning. This is what I love. At our institutes of higher learning, we're discovering things about God that God always knew about himself. Isn't that great? What we're discovering now is that the brain has this ability to heal. In fact, here's the definition From Webster's Dictionary, the ability of the brain to form and reorganize synaptic connections, especially in response to learning or experience or following injury. So, So, 20 years ago, not even that long ago, if people had severe brain injuries, it was just thought that this is this is it. This, you're going to be stuck, right, in this, and you're going to be limited in your ability for your brain to heal. What we do know is this, that we use just a fraction, just a fraction of our brain capacity, and that our brain is so fearfully and wonderfully made that there's parts of our brain we don't even comprehend and understand. What they're learning now is that through learning and taking time, that, that, that our brain will start healing itself through this process of neuroplasticity. So our synaptic connections are the points in our brain where information is stored. So from when you're a little kid, when you start learning how to walk and talk, you hear words, you recognize faces, you learn your colors and your alphabet, and you learn to count. What's happening is synaptic connections. There's a different synaptic connection for each one of those things, and there's an electrical impulse that fires, and it starts reinforcing. You ever seen that picture, like the animation of the brain, and you see all the electrical right, the current kind of flowing, that's what it's talking about. And, and the parts of our brain that we use the most and the things that we think about the most become the most reinforced. And so if you've ever, like, walked down a dirt path or even just walked through, the, through, you know, on a trail up in the hills or something and there was no path and you're kind of making your own way, it goes from that to being like the 210 freeway. The more you reinforce it, the bigger and more reinforced it is in your thinking. And those things become the things that you meditate on, the things you think about, the things that you default to in your thinking. So, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what they're finding. And there are articles all throughout the internet. You can research it, Google it, check it out. NPR published 
an article a few years back about the ability of faith, for people of faith and prayer and people who read the Bible, the fact that their brains heal faster. That people who have had severe brain injuries, when they start reading the Bible, that their brains heal at a faster rate than those who go through other kinds of therapy. At which point God goes, yeah, I know that. I know that because I designed it that way. Why? Because from the time you're born, and now research even shows that genetically, that in our DNA, that we have predispositions to behavior genetically that extend to the third and fourth generation. Does it sound like a Bible in the ver- verse in the Bible that says that the sins of the father will be visited to the third and fourth generation? Why? Because there's a genetic imprint. Even if you didn't know your father, for some reason, there's this genetic imprint in us. And it takes a hold in our brains. And we start learning things as we grow up. And we establish habits and, 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 and types of behavior, which if you don't know this, travel to another country. And you realize all of a sudden, not everyone lives like I live, right? Because they grew up in a different environment and their brains were shaped differently. God knew this. And then he says to us, be transformed by the renewing of your, not habits, not disciplines, not emotions, not your willpower. He starts with the mind. Why? Because when you're, you have the information and the knowledge, it will inform you what, how you act. Because I'm not going to act in ways I'm ignorant to. If I don't know how to act a certain way, I'm not going to act that way. I act in the ways that have been reinforced in my thinking. Are we tracking? This gets me really excited. I don't know why, but... I, I, well, I'm a Lego guy, so I like the, how the dots connect. Do not conform, be, be transformed. What does that mean? That means that every time you pick up the Bible, every time you read the Word of God, that you are firing off synaptic connections in your brain that are creating connections to other synapses and creating neural pathways in your thinking that will lead eventually to changed behavior. Why? Because when our brains are wired correctly, we will be able to discern the will of God. So why read the Bible? Why is God so emphatic about us reading His Word and knowing His Word? And why why did God go to such great lengths as we read about in Proverbs? Wisdom calls out because God's going, listen, there's something in your mind that's broken and I want to fix it. So don't stay stuck in this place where you go, I'm good, no thank you. Because ignorance isn't bliss, it's dangerous, and God says, know my word, know my word, take my word and, and, and learn it and apply it in your mind and learn it in your mind and meditate on it and don't turn from it. Why? Because here's what happens when we read the Bible, it reads us. In fact, I love that statement, don't just read the Bible, let it read you. Let it read you. Let it challenge your thinking. You have a bias. You just do. In in a time in our nation where we're looking at just getting rid of biases, we all have a bias to something. There's a way that I think that's not the same way that you think. And that diversity is actually something to embrace within a society But my bias cannot stand before God. I have to allow God to change my biases, to shift my thinking, to turn my feet to move in a different direction. When God comes to Abram and he says, Abram, I need you to leave your land, your family, your people, your your flocks, your herds, everything that I've, I've blessed you with in this land, I need you to leave it. And then he says what? Go to a land that... I'll show you later. That would not fly, right? No, no, no. I need to know like 10 steps ahead what this is going to look like. All right, God, do you have a 401k for me? Is there medical, right? (laughs) 
Amen. Talk to Stacy. She'll tell you about that. I will take you to a land I will show you. If my brain is in such a way that it's been saturated with the word of God, I will be be able to discern his will and all of the static and all of the noise and all of the fear and all of the things that hold me back in the past will will be drowned out by God's voice saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I'll be able to move forward in confidence not knowing where I'm going. This is called faith. And see, when we go from the knowledge, we move on to the next one. It goes from information, and it transforms my my mind. What happens is it then sinks into my heart where it becomes faith, and it transforms the way I live. That God has called us to be a peculiar people. You're supposed to be weird, Right? Some of you have been struggling with the fact that you're weird. It's okay. God designed you that way. We're supposed to be a peculiar people who do peculiar things for, 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 for reasons unknown to the people around us, but known only to God, so that we can be a blessing and we can be a witness. But we cannot move in faith if we've not taken God at His word. If we don't know his word, because if I don't have the anchor of his word, I'm going to be dissuaded and convinced to turn back. Jesus calling to Peter and Peter stepping out of the water and taking a couple of steps. What does he do? He looks around and he looks at the waves and he gets fearful, which belonged in the boat. Fear stayed in the boat and he starts sinking. That that information, that knowledge then turns to transformation as it sinks into our hearts and it becomes faith. Because here's the truth. Here's the reality. You can know something and not believe it. You can know something and not believe it. There are a lot of people who know the Bible better than you, but they don't believe it. And Jesus says, if you have a little bit of faith, you will say to this mountain, be cast into the sea, right? Well, let's read what he says. John 15, 7, first of all, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay, what Jesus is saying here is, if my word saturates your life, your mind and your heart, you can ask, what? Anything, whatever, whatever you wish. Okay, this should be exciting for you, right? Like, this is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who at his word spoke creation into being. He's saying, what do you want? Ask for it. If my word is in you, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, I don't need to jump up and down. Or like, if God's word is in you, you can ask for whatever you wish. And, 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 and here's the thing. This should fire us up because this is what sets us apart from every other religion on the face of the planet, because every other religion is about works. You do so that you can please God. And God says, no, I've done for you so you would be blessed. Now ask for anything. Do we take God at his word? (gasps) (laughs) Whatever you wish. Romans 10, 8 through 9. Paul writing this, he says, what does it say? There's a whole chapter before this, you can go read it. But this is what he talks about in reference to even the Old Testament. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth... Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
Do you see the importance of the word, the importance of the heart, the importance of the mouth? There are so many people who don't understand that it is this is the process. When you come to the point of prayer, why do we say a prayer of salvation? Why do we lead people? Why? Because there has to be a declaration from the mouth. When you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What, what Paul is saying here is you can't say Jesus is Lord and not believe that God raised him from the dead. You can't have knowledge of something that happened historically and go, but I choose not to believe that. I think Jesus was a good teacher. And there are Christians who believe that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. By, by definition, you cannot be a Christian and don't, not believe that, Je- that God raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because it says it in his word. The word is near you. Years ago, there was a song came out by a singer named Bette Midler. Remember the song? Some of you are like, Bette who? Look it up. Bette Midler, from a distance. God is watching from a distance. What a depressing, suck the life out of you song. Because John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, right? And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He's not at a distance. He's imminent and close. The Word, Jesus, is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. The message concerning faith. And when it is in your heart and when it is in your mouth and when the knowledge is in your mind and God reshapes your thinking and you discern his will, ask anything, whatever you ask, he will do it. I tell you what, the problem is we are Kronos people trying to understand Kairos thinking. And our Kronos goes, well, whatever has caveats. There's limitations, there's restrictions on whatever, right? Yeah, the only restriction is this. It has to align with who God is, his character and nature. God is not going to give you something that is opposed to his nature, to his character, to his righteousness. He's not going to give his children things that will lead to their destruction. So that's the only caveat. But if your mind has been saturated with the word of God and you're discerning his will and your heart is being transformed, I'm going to guarantee you right now that whatever you ask will be in line with the heart of God. So it's time for us to break out of this limited thinking and start coming to the word of God with an expectation that says, God, would you teach me? Would you shape me? Would you rewire my brain so that doubt and fear is gone? And so that I can pray prayers and ask for things and make declarations that lead to life. Whew. Psalm 119, we'll close with this. How can a young person... Stay on the path of purity. By the way, you're all young people in here today, okay? Because you're eternal beings, and so no matter how old you are on this earth, you're young. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart, my desires, my passions, my affections. Do not let me stray from your commands which I know in my mind. I have hidden your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Can I tell you, if we lived this out as Christ followers daily, if this became the passion of our lives, this group, this room of people right here would literally change the world. It's happened before. It's happened before. We're here as the result because of some people 2,000 years ago who took God at his word, who changed their thinking, 
who allowed God's word to sink into their hearts, and they changed the world. And can I tell you, the world is, in needing, is still in need of changing. How can we keep our way pure? I seek you with my heart, O oh God. Don't let me stray from the things that you're teaching me. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And we stand together. I'll tell you my greatest fear in this message, in this series of messages, is that this would stay at an informational place in your life. I don't know how to better challenge, exhort, admonish you. Would you this week give it a test run? I'm not a good reader, Pastor Barry. That's okay. You don't have to read the entire Bible. <laughs> read a verse. One verse. Why, why just one verse? Because God will know on that day that you're going to read that verse. He's always known you would read that verse. So just read a verse and let one verse speak to you. Right. If, you if you need a starting point, Proverbs is great. There are 31 Proverbs. Read one chapter of Proverbs. Pick whatever day it is, so what, t- today is the 20th, so t- read tomorrow, read Proverbs 21, if you don't have a place to start. Read Proverbs 21, and let God's wisdom speak to you. Take him at his word, and do everything you can not to be distracted this week. Make it a point, set aside a few minutes each day to hide God's word in your heart, to let wisdom call out to you, and look and watch, it, watch the difference it will make in one week. Can we do that? Is that good? Can we get a, a commitment to that? All right. Can we do it? And let's hear what God will do. Let's welcome the, I invite the worship team up as we pray. Father God, this morning, I'm so thankful for your word that you don't leave us out in a place where we have to figure it out ourselves. Lord, that we're not like a kid with a box of Legos and no instructions. God, that you want to take the pieces of our lives, the stuck places in our lives, and you want to put them together in a way that makes sense, that something beautiful would emerge. And so, God, I ask this morning that you would, by your words, speak to each one of us, as you've already been doing. Holy Spirit, I ask that that the words that have been heard and received this morning would lead to transformation that they would affect the way that we live our lives this week, today, tomorrow. And God, I pray that there would be a passion and a zeal that fires up inside of us as we encounter more of who you are, that you would transform our minds, that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the washing of your word that our faith would rise as we hear your word because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. God, I pray that the miraculous would take place this week. And Lord, as as much as we need prayer meetings and, and we want prayer meetings, Lord, I pray that it would happen outside of the prayer meeting this week, that people would know that in, in your word is power. Lord, that we would start asking for the things that we need to be asking for, whatever that is, and that we would see you faithful, Lord, recognize your hand in our lives. Lord, I want to pray this morning for the person who's struggling with this message who is hearing the words but having a hard time believing and receiving Holy Spirit would you soften that heart would you soften that mind to receive and I pray that the lies and the deception of the past and of the enemy would be silenced in Jesus name I want to ask this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that Jesus raised him from the, I mean, that God raised him from the dead, if you've never done that in your life and this morning you'd say, Pastor Barry, I want that for my life. 
without anyone looking around, would you simply just raise your hand so I can be in agreement with you this morning? Would you lift your hand? Anyone who would say, I need Jesus today. Amen. Father, we love you. We honor you. We give you praise and glory for your great love for us. Let's worship together.